The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Would you be willing to play a video game that if you died, you die? And then we end Season 19 with a terrifying look at our possible future. We always hear stories about the Great Reset. An idea that eventually we will be forced to eat bugs and be happy about it. Well, what if things are actually worse than that? What if it's not bugs that we'll be forced to eat? You knew this is how the season was going to end. What if it's not bugs that we will be forced to eat? What if we have to eat poop? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host Jason Garbiner. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. We got a ton of stuff to cover. We got a bunch of announcements too. So let's get started right away for the last episode of season 19. Walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now was our newest Patreon supporter. He's carrying a spear and a shield. I don't know, maybe he's just carrying a 32 on Sprite. Walking into Dead Rabbit Command, everyone give it up for Haroon Shaikh. Woo! Yeah, everyone's like, dude, learn how to pronounce people's names. I'm trying. I'm trying. Haroon. Haroon, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally understand that I do. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so much. If you get any value from this show, please help the show grow. This is also the last episode of Season 19. I'm going to be taking a break until December 1st, so I hope you guys stick around until the break's over. I'm hoping you play some Dying Light. I just got that game on a Steam sale not too long ago, and... I'm a huge fan of Dead Island, so I think it's like Dead Island, but faster and spookier. We'll find out. But even though I'm not coming out with brand new episodes until December 1st, on November 24th at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, we will be doing our annual Thanksgiving live stream special. I hope you guys are able to join us for that. Listen, I get it if you can't. It's a huge holiday. You guys are out doing stuff as well. But if you do have some free time, stop on by November 24th. 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. It's always been fun. We've done a lot of these. Well, four of them. Or this will be the fourth one over the years. That's a lot of fun. And lastly, before we get the episode started, there's a billion cars driving by today. I don't know why it's so busy. And I'm recording in my living room again. But before we get started, one more thing. Let's take a look at this submission for Fan Art Friday. Look at this little bunny. This little bunny man. It's, it's Technically, it's a Dead Rabbit Radio logo. It's not a man. But this was sent to me by Lissa. On the Patreon Discord. I love it. I love these little sketches. It never stops humbling me when I see people take time out of their day to do a little sketch. It's really cool. Or just even to listen, right? People constantly sending me emails that they listen to the show during their work or during their commute or while they're washing the dishes. And that's really cool. (laughs) That's honestly really cool because that's how I enjoy podcasts. And it's cool that I'm part of that day for you. I really, really enjoy it. And that's why I keep doing this show. Haroon, let's go ahead and get this episode started. This episode I'm really excited about. This is some cool stuff here. Haroon, 
I'm going to toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. Take us all the way out to an eSports arena. <laughs> Haroon pulls up outside this arena and he's like, is this the place? And I'm like, no, this is an actual, this is an actual sport being played. There's football going on in there. Keep driving. We need to find an eSports arena. So he's driving, he gets to a college campus, and there's like a little room off to the side, and we see people walking in with their laptops, and they're like, this land party's going to be great. Doom emulators for all. And I'm like, nope. Nope, we're not going here either. And you're like, what? where are we going? I mean, those guys definitely were the definition of an eSport. In 1999, Jason, who's still having land parties? How old are you? Okay, come on, get back in the car. Haroon... This isn't the right esports arena. Keep driving. So he's driving through the city and we pass like all these other arenas. And finally, he pulls up to this auto mechanics garage. I was like, here's the, here's the place. Here's, apparently it turned into a prospector all of a sudden. Here's the place. This is where the gold be. So we walk into this mechanics shop and there seems to be no one around. And I was like... It's pretty clever. It's a pretty clever hiding spot, isn't this? I saw this on an episode of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I hit a button, and all of a sudden, the lift that lifts the car up, it lifts up, and now you see there's like a staircase descending under the ground, which seemed great on an episode of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but now that I think about it, it's kind of a dead giveaway, because people would be like, hey, can you work on my car? And they're like, no. You're like, there's a lift right there. Just lift it up. Use my car, fix it. And they're like, no, because there's a hidden there's a hidden passageway down there built by Baxter Stockman. We go down this staircase and we hear this, oh yeah, woo, go yeah, woo. We're like, what in the world was that? We keep walking down the stairs and we keep hearing like, yeah, yeah, place your bets, place your bets. Who's going to win this time? Yeah, yeah. And we walk into this massive underground esports arena. We see two teams. They're both maybe 32 people on each team. Pretty standard for first-person shooter, player versus player. Hold on. I got to move my studio back into the closet. Yeah, I moved it out last night. I was hoping to record it out here. But apparently Autobots and Decepticons are fighting in the uh, front yard. It's so loud here. So give me a second. Okay, sorry about that. That was super annoying. It's like every car in the neighborhood decided to... Test out their snow tires on dry roads today. That's why everything is so loud out there in the living room. We're in this underground esports arena. We see on opposite sides of the room two different teams. And there's about 32 players on each team, and they're playing a first person shooter. But seated all around them, this really is like a sports arena. We see the rich and powerful. And the dark and mysterious as well. <laughs> not Darth Vader, not Darth Vader, although he fits both of those descriptions. Well, this isn't just any old eSports. I'm sure you could have guessed that, the fact that we had to walk through an underground tunnel and a hidden passageway in a mechanics shop. This isn't any old, regular old League of Legends nonsense. This is truly a one-of-a-kind event. It is a gaming competition where if your character dies in the game... Your head blows up. And you go, Jason, yes, I'm sure this is possible like in science fiction. I've seen tons of stuff with this in it. From the Lawnmower Man to the Lawnmower Man 2. 
The idea of dying in the video game makes you die in real life. Well, it was a work of fiction until just recently. Okay, well, to be fair, to be fair, it still is a work of fiction. The situation I laid out has not happened yet, but recently, Shenanigans, a longtime supporter of the show, Shenanigans on Twitter, sent me this article about this man named Palmer Lucky. Palmer Lucky, which if anyone sounds like a character from a Philip K. Dick novel, it's this guy. Palmer Lucky, apparently he's the co-founder of the Oculus, the VR headset. He also has defense contracts. And he has created a VR headset that has three bombs in it. Right now he says this is kind of a piece of art sitting around the office, but he's constructed this. He goes, the idea is, it's a VR headset that if you die in the game, you die in real life. And you go, why would anyone invent this? Why would anyone invent this? Well, apparently he's a big fan of an anime called Sword Art Online. And the premise of that show is people put on VR headsets and they get teleported to this completely realistic VR world. Well, it's not realistic. There, I guess there's dragons and stuff. Little talking mushrooms. But you think that you're actually in this world, but in the real world, you're hooked up to this VR system, and if you die in the video game, you die in real life. He's a big fan of that, and he goes, you know what? I used to be a big fan. <laughs> I used to be a big fan of Godzilla. I irradiated a bunch of iguanas. That didn't do anything. Maybe I'll be a big fan of this cartoon. Maybe I should invent something that will kill you if you die in the game. And you're going, why would anyone, even if someone's a big fan of something, I mean, there's two elements to it. One, you die in the game. Two, the, the game is awesome enough to want to take the risk of dying. The sword art online world is so vivid that it's worth that risk. If you're hooked up to this headset and you're playing Medal of Honor for the PS2, I mean, that's not worth it, right? But imagine if you could go to a virtual world that was so beautiful and everything was amazing. It was everything that the real world isn't. Would you risk your head blowing up? You might be shaking your head no, but remember Talking Mushrooms, Talking Mushrooms. You have those guys as well. He's invented this and he goes, listen, there are a few... Things I need to work out. <laughs> there are a few glitches I need to work out with this bomb you strapped to your head. He goes, first off, we'd have to make it so the charges don't accidentally go off. Which is, yes, that's a pretty big problem when you're dealing with bombs. He goes, the way I envision it is that it will the bombs will detonate when a specific frequency of red flashing lights appears in the game. That'll cause the bomb to go off. So that way you could have it for different video games. You, the developer of the video game would know the frequency that would be game over, not just the frequency of somebody like flashing, flashing a flashlight in your face. You're just floating around Neopets and some dude's like, click, 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 and your head blows up. You could trigger it to be a specific frequency of red lights. That's the first thing. He has to get that thing done. He goes, secondly... The game world, and the, the kind of what I was saying, he goes, you would have to have a game world that was so vivid and so amazing that, yes, it would be risky. It would be worth the risk to, to get your head blown off. 
Like, otherwise, when you put the goggles on, if you are playing, like, Chester Cheetah's Jail Breakout that you got free when you ordered a Pizza Hut pizza, obviously, you're, you're, obviously, that would be the most stressful platformer you'd ever played. But you would know when that prickly cactus was shooting its thorns at you that you're not really in danger. I mean, you are. You do have a bomb strapped to your head. But in the game world, you would just be like, oh, that's just a guy shooting sprites at me. That would be the last thought you had as your head disintegrates into a pile of blood, brain matter, skull, and half-chewed pizza. He goes, the game would have to be indistinguishable from reality to make it all fit. That is something that I think game designers are working towards. And what's funny is that I, I would love a system like this. Not necessarily my brain blowing up, but when I play Minecraft, I play in hardcore mode. And that's where when you die, your whole world gets erased. And I'll drop like 30, 40 hours into a one world. And I like find a village and I build a, a wall around it. And I do all this stuff and then I make up missions for myself. I'll be like, oh, I must go find a treasure chest. So I'm walking around and I basically playing this Minecraft game. <laughs> Which, okay, to be fair for me, making fun of League of Legends multiple times. I get it, Minecraft's for babies. But I love Minecraft. I play in the hardcore mode, and then I put 30, 40 hours into a single world, and then a creeper blows me up. And it makes the impact so monumental. So I get, like, the need for it. He, he has a quote. He goes, quote, Pumped-up graphics may make a game look more real, but only the threat of serious consequences can make a game feel real to you and every other person in the game. And I do agree with that. I've, I would love the idea of a game that if you died in it, the game's deleted. Like, you have to buy another copy of the game. I think that would be great. I think it'd be great if you had a first-person shooter, and if you die in the game, there's then like a five to ten minute un unskippable cutscene of the army going to your wife's house and knocking on the door, and you see her sobbing, and then they cut to a a scene of a mom. It's actually your mom before you can play the game. You have to get digital photos of everyone you know. And your mom's like, no, not my son. No. And then there's like a full, there's a full length funeral. And it would really make the dying in the game be more consequential. Imagine GTA, but you get in a car accident and the cops arrest you. They're like, that's it. We're going to find you $1,000. We take all your weapons and you can't play this game for the next 10 days. Palmer Lucky says, as far as he knows, this has never been done before. But the genie's out of the bottle. And this would be awesome for the Illuminati that we talk about. We recently did an episode on this guy named Donald Marshall who talked about underground gladiator combats and they use clones and he fought Mick Jagger and... and Brendan Fraser stabbed him in the intestines and all this stuff. They were clones, by the way, if you're a huge Brendan Fraser fan. Don't give up on him. It was his clone, but he believes that celebrities from around the world have killed him. And the gladiator, and this cloned gladiator arena. And as foolish as that is, what you're really doing, in essence, is you're taking two people, you're giving them weapons... And then you're like, fight, fight to the death. And then you, as a businessman, are <laughs> standing about 20 feet from them or sitting in some arena. 
as these two people you've kidnapped are hacking at each other with swords. Now, we've all watched enough movies where you have the two people being like, you know what, we're the ones with the swords. They're just some rich guy in a suit. Let's team up and we can hack our way out of here. And the, all of a sudden the guy's like, no, no, don't kill me. I'm from Wall Street. Ugh. And the two guys start a slave revolution. I've just them. It's a revolution of two, but it works. You would think that, right? You would always, you'd basically be getting these trained fighters and locking them up and being like, you will fight to the death until you become too weak to fight anymore and then you will die. And then the prisoner's like, or, or he just start beating you up now. And I'm assuming they'd also have goons with guns. The Illuminati people would have goons with guns sitting around. But my point is, is that you can do it like that. And you can have people place wagers. But when you look at something like the Squid Game, that Squid Game show, they had to build these massive sets. Massive sets. And even when you had, like, I think it started off with, like, 460 people. They did have guards with guns. But you could easily have these uprisings. But imagine if the Squid Games were just people with bombs on their heads playing, playing Squid Game mods on Roblox. And they're like, oh, the controls totally suck. What are you talking about? Oh, man, my keyboard's stuck and their heads are just blowing up. I totally could see that happening. I could totally see some sort of underground group forcing people to fight to the death, but instead of giving them weapons... And you figured this would even the battlefield. Like, imagine if a super buff dude got kidnapped, and then next to him got kidnapped a scientist, and he's like, oh, man, never worked out my muscles except for my brain. Obviously, I mean, is a when you're betting, you're going to be like, uh, is, this, is this a joke? I'm going to bet on the buff dude. But if everyone was in a VR world and they died, it would be more even playing field. I mean, obviously the nerd would have an advantage there. But a fascinating thing, he says that this is the first time, as far as he knows, they've been invented. I'm sure there have been other versions of this. Okay, I guess I can't say I'm sure it is pretty science, science fiction-y. But now that the cat's out of the bag, I could see people going, make us 64 of these. We're going to hold a tournament. And whoever sucks at this first-person shooter, their brains blow up. Although now that I think about it, you you would imagine the, you imagine the Illuminati would have better things to do than hosting these type of summits. And actually, that's a great segue into our next story. Haroon, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Carpenter Copter. We're taking it out one more time this season. Fly us away from this gladiator arena. There's only one dude left with his brains intact. He's the winner. I mean, he's covered in brains. Could you imagine playing a first-person video game with a VR headset on, and you know it's to the death, and when another player, like the guy sitting at the computer next to you, when he dies, you're playing a game, right? You have a perfect sniper position, and then all of a sudden, two feet away, you hear a BAM, and you're just covered in brain matter. Like, it would totally freak you out. That would be the worst possible thing. I guess the worst possible thing would be the guy sitting next to you with no head. That would be the worst. But the second worst possible thing is you're trying to not die, and all of a sudden you're just getting covered. That loud explosion, you're getting covered in brains and guts and gore. I don't know why. I just had to leave you with that last horrible image. Haroon, take this carpenter copter away from this arena. We're flying all the way out to a weightlifting gym. There's a company called Fit Biomix. They're probably mispronouncing that. It's probably Fit Bio. Oh, I don't know. Is there another way to pronounce it? Anyways, 
Fitbiomics is closer to probably what it is. There's a company called Fitbiomics, and and at Fitbiomics, they have this new product invented by Dr. Jonathan Scheiman. It's called Nella. It's not a bad name, right? Reminds you of Nutella. Well, be, be prepared to not eat any more Nutella. Dr. Scheiman, he has invented this thing called Nella. He goes, here's the thing. I have discovered through my research that to be a super athlete, it's more than just your training. It's more than just your diet. It's even more than just your genetics. A large part of it is also your gut biome. So then we're standing there in this weightlifting gym and we see this muscle-bound dude like doing all these reps. He's like, oh yeah, look at me. Look at me. <laughs> he definitely has some issues. He's like, life doesn't matter unless people look at me. He's lifting all these weights. He's like, look at me. And Dr. Scheinman goes, have you guys ever wanted to be as thick and muscular as this dude? Here, take this pill I've invented. It's called Nella. He's holding this pill out to us and on the one hand, yeah, it sure would be awesome to be this total buff dude who has uh, issues with people paying attention to him. But on the other hand, hey, Doc, didn't you just say something about gut biome? Like, trying to figure out, like, how athletes and their what's inside their guts is actually helping them out. And as you're asking that question, I put my hand up over my mouth. I'm like, hmm. As you're asking that question, he flicks the pill in your throat. And you're like, uh, uh. If you take the Nella you can actually become an elite athlete. Now, Nella, before you get too excited, before you run to the store, you're like, oh, I got a marathon coming up. Can I get one box of Nella? Let me tell you what's in it. What he does, and this is what he discovered. He said he drove around Boston for two weeks, eight hours a day. He's driving around Boston. He's collecting stool samples from elite runners. And what he realized was, if you look at elite runners, they have this thing called, well, I guess most people have it. It's called Bacterium Vellanella Atypica. And he goes, when you look at elite runners, they have very, very high, consistently high levels of this bacterium. He said, in a normal person, this spikes during exertion, and this is one of the reasons why your muscles get sore. But if I took the stool samples from these elite athletes. <laughs> he didn't tell them. He just snuck into their house late at night. He's all hiding in the closet, waiting until they go to bed. And then he crawls out in the darkness with a little spoon, with a little wooden spoon, a taster spoon from Baskin Robbins. Go up in their butthole. He realized that they have this in them. They have a lot of this bacterium, Vellanella atypica. And this is part of being an elite athlete. He injected this bacterium into mice and what could only be described as the funniest and cruelest experiment. He injected this bacterium into mice and they were able to run 13% longer than normal. So, I mean, that's something you get the intern to do, right? I'm sure Dr. Shaman's like, no, no, I want to inject them. I did all the work. I get to have all the fun. He's injecting it into the mice. But then you make your intern just watch two mice run. Two, two mice run around on these wheels. They're like, tell me how long the one with the gut biome stuff. Tell me how much more he runs. And then he goes out on another fecal gathering mission. 
So if you take a mice who's injected with this, he could run 13 times longer. Now, others go, uh, you know, sure, the science might be there. We do know that your gut biome is a huge part of who you are. They say 90% of the body's serotonin gets produced by your gut bacteria. I think it's really interesting when people go, I have a craving for sugar, I have a craving for that. That's all your gut bacteria. If you've ever gone a couple days without sugar, because I very rarely have sugar, but it's weird when I do have sugar, then the next three days I'm craving it. It's because all the flora in your stomach is there. It pops up when you eat sugar and it's sending signals to your brain going, eat more sugar, eat more sugar. Because if it doesn't get sugar, it dies off the whole life form in your stomach. It's almost like a parasite in there. And it's controlling you. And that's why when you start overeating, it's hard to stop. And you'll have food addicts. It's different where you're like a gambling addict. That's like a serotonin thing in your brain. Or you're a heroin addict. That's the heroin interacting with the dopamine receptors in your brain. Food addiction, sugar addiction, is actually a new life form in your stomach developing and then releasing chemicals into the bloodstream saying, Feed up. And you're building up this new life form in your stomach. And when you stop eating sugar, like it takes three days for this life form to completely die out. Then it will stop sending the signals because it's dead. It can no longer talk to you. It's totally different. It's super weird. The addiction to food is different. There's a new life form in you trying to get you to eat more of what it needs. Fascinating stuff. So we know the gut biome is super important. But he's saying you can take this Nella and you now have the gut biome. Well, you take it regularly, of course. There's a monthly subscription for $59 a box, which you can either go, wow, that's really low to be an elite athlete, or wow, that's really high to eat someone else's poop. But you can get a monthly subscription of Nella, and they're saying that if you take this, you will be able to run longer than normal. I'm sure I'm sure that's not the only thing on the box. Because otherwise, you're like, ah, no, I'm good. I don't run that much anyways. But I saw that and I go, okay, the, the, the VR brain thing, that's something that I could see in a sci-fi movie and then I could see someone building it in real life. If you wanted to have real-life gladiator combat, this would be the way to do it. It would be the safest way. I mean, not for the participants, but for you. Or it could just be a novelty. This one, this is really being produced. And it is a performance-enhancing supplement. Imagine a world where if you want to compete in sports, you have to eat human poop. Because everyone else is eating human poop. Now, to be very clear... <laughs> to be very clear... 20, 30 minutes into talking about this. He is not selling... I guess I should clear this up for the lawsuit, for the inevitable lawsuit. He is not selling pills of human poop. I keep <laughs> human poop. I also accuse this guy of hiding in people's closets with tiny wooden spoons and taking their poop out without their knowledge. That's just hearsay, Your Honor. <laughs> That's just hearsay. I heard it in my own head, and then I said it. He's not selling pills of human poop, but he's selling pills of this bacterium cocktail. But in essence, I mean, tomato, tomato, right? You're taking a pill that at one point, this bacteria was in some dude's butthole. Now, maybe, 
<laughs> now, once I said that, I go, okay, maybe it's not that. Maybe he cultured this bacteria, right? Once he knows what it is, he could then breed more of it in his laboratory. But I would still argue in this upcoming defamation case that if you, this is a philosopher's question, right? If you took a piece of poop out of a man's butthole and then isolated a small piece of that poop and then used that small piece of poop to create a chemical... Are you still not eating a man's poop? Are you still not? That was the origin point. Are you still not eating something that came out of some other dude's butt? Now, I'm not a runner. I don't run for nothing. But if I was a runner, I would be thinking, well, everyone else in the race is eating human poop. Why Why aren't I? There's some guy, there's some guy just scooping it up. He's like, what? Oh, you're supposed to take this in a form of a pill? This is a supplement that you could see almost you having to take. If you are doing any sorts of sports at all, you're going up against people who are eating human poop. And you're not. There's a lot of stuff that we would never do if we were forced to. No one, no one would want to live in a society where people go, you got to eat this poop. It'll make you work harder. <laughs> Dude, I work at Best Buy. How hard do I have to work? I have to eat human poop. But if it's voluntary, right? It's voluntary. This is something that you could see athletes going, if I want to compete at an elite level, I got to eat the poop. I almost feel like this isn't a social issue or a science issue. It feels... I don't. I know I tossed the word around demonic. I know I've tossed the word demonic around a lot on this show, but it sounds like something that is so anti-human. To eat... Something that came from fecal matter. Now, <laughs> I have to be very, very clear. I am going to go and check and and see, because now I'm thinking about it. Now that I accused Dr. Scheinman of hiding people's closets, taking stool samples without their permission, getting enjoyment out of injecting fecal matter into mice. I'm starting to think. I'm starting to think of something here. There's going to be two things. One, I either end the episode going, is it possible we'll live in a world where people aren't taking fecal matter, <laughs> fecal matter to win sports, but really they're enacting some sort of ancient right to an old pagan god? Like, really, this is what it sounds like devouring fecal matter it's that's like belphegor there's a demon who loves poop and every time you use the toilet i believe his name's belphegor i'll double check that but he, every time you go poop you're basically worshiping him and this sounds almost like a demonic plot and people having like this is really what it comes down with deals with the devil right you can train hard and you can do your best but eventually everyone else in your sport is taking human poop. Now you have to make a deal with the devil. Are you going to stick up for yourself and say, you know what? I run for the enjoyment. I don't run to win. So I don't want to eat human poop. That's what a deal. Or, you know, I am going to eat poop. I'm going to eat poop to win. That's really what a deal with the devil is. You're making, you're compromising your own idea of what it means to be human. And some would argue what it means to be fair in sports you're eating human fecal matter to become a better athlete. And that sounds like a demonic pact. You're giving away a bit of your humanity for a simple contest. Something that's meaningless on the grand scale of things, but you're eating poop to do it.
And all the while, this great demon is watching all of this with glee. While the world became more sanitized, as we cleaned up the streets from just logs of poop rolling down the open sewers of London, to a world that's so sanitized that kids get peanut allergies because they're not getting exposed to germs and bacterium that they normally are in childhood. We've come a long way in a very short period of time. Any sort of demonic entity that fed off of filth and disease would be losing power. But now, in the guise of a pill that makes you a better athlete, people are willingly ingesting fecal matter. This demon who had been slowly but steadily losing influence over the world is now, in its own way, being worshipped. When people are taking the Nella pill, they're not like, this is for you, grand demon of fecal matter, glop. But in a way, they're doing that sacrament. It's more than that. It's more than that. Throughout all of human history, people hated waste product, but now they're willingly eating it. And so is this the return of this Belphegor-type character, this demon who lives in the wastewaters, a demon that lives in the filth? You're taking the sacrament just like you were taking the Lord's Supper, taking the consecrated wafer and a little bit of wine. Could this be his way back to power? If you want to win, you have to ingest the poop. If you want to win, you have to worship the demon of the toilet. That's one way I can end the episode, but I am going to say this. I'm recording this for a little bit of safety. There's a possibility, I thought about this as I was recording it, that he's not actually he's not actually giving people poop. I thought about this. I go, wait a second. I never occurred to me until I was reading over my notes when I'm recording the last episode of season 19. Maybe he wasn't feeding people poop. Maybe. <laughs> I'm sure there was a bunch of you shaking your heads this whole time and you're like, is Jason, does Jason actually think that these Nella pills are like brown? There's a little piece of corn. There's a little piece of corn in some of them. No, I don't think that. But I'm thinking now that the stool samples were just for the experiments. In the sense that he goes, I wonder if there's something different in an elite runner's stool. So he went, he didn't do it the creepy way. He didn't do the creepy way, like I said. He asked people, hey, can I have some of your stool, please? Which that's actually super creepy as well. But he gets this stool of elite runners and he gets stool of regular people. And then he matches it and goes, wow, if you're an elite runner, your stool has more of this bacterium, this Velanella atypica. Interesting. So then, no stool involved in the production process. I didn't even think about this. I totally didn't even think about this. Then, he throws away all of the poop, and he is able to produce Villanella Atypica in a, some other sort of way. Like, he puts out, like, a piece of bread. Like, he's doing some sort of science project for fifth grade. He leaves a piece of bread out for a couple of days and it grows mold and he's able to isolate the Villanella atypica. Maybe he was able to produce this sans butthole and that's what the pill is. The pill, just like probiotics when you go and buy them at the store. It's possible, just to be clear, I'm going to double check before I release this episode. He's going to be like, clearly you're all this man has no, no idea what he's talking about. He disparaged me for three minutes. He called me a 
a freak, a freak who's hiding in the shadows of people's closets. So maybe he didn't. I will, I will record this part just in case. <laughs> maybe he didn't. Maybe he wasn't hiding in people's closets. Maybe this has nothing to do with human poop in its final form. That might have just been the experiment. Or maybe... Tonight, when you're getting ready to go to bed, you go, you know what, man? Season 19, that sure was a wild ride. Dead Rabbit Radio talked a lot about poop. The whole season. It wasn't just the last episode. Some weird stuff this season. And you're like, you know what? It's time for me to go to bed. Uh, but I do have that big marathon tomorrow. Uh, well, I'll figure it out later. <laughs> you fall asleep. And then your closet door opens in the middle of the night. And you see a Dr. Shyman-shaped silhouette start to creep out. And you're like, what? Oh, no. Oh, no. I know exactly what that silhouette looks like. It's Dr. Shyman. It's Dr. Shyman. And you see him pull up a little wooden spoon and you go to get up. Then you realize there's four super strong men surrounding your bed. They've had all the fecal matter they want, which is oddly a lot. They're some weird fetish cult. <laughs> They're holding you down with their fecal empowered muscles. You're like, no, no. And Dr. Shyman's walking closer and closer with his little taster spoon. He's like, ah, yes, for $59 a month. It requires a lot of poop. It's like it's like that old what was it, the outer limits? Or the Twilight Zone tells from the dark side about the box. You got the box. And if you press the button, someone you didn't know would die and you would get a million dollars. But if you don't press the button, then you don't get a million dollars. And you had like an hour to decide. And the woman presses the button and she gets a million dollars, and then the guy at the ending goes, Ah, yes, everyone presses the button. I will give this box to someone else now. Someone you don't know. That's this. If you order if you order Nella, what you're really doing is giving your address to Fit Biomics. And now they're also gonna make you part of the food chain. If you order this, you're like, alright, my Nutella. I mean my Nella, it's finally here. Omp. And then your address went into a database. They're going to drive up to your house and start harvesting your butthole. Because how else are they going to produce enough of this? Probably, probably without buttholes, he's probably culturing it in some other way. But in the world of conspiracy theory, who knows what is possible? Who knows what, who knows what defamation is? Can you really define slander or libel when you're talking about the world of the paranormal? Can you, can you, your honor, I rest my case. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.